Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Freedom Girls Sisterhood, and I'm your freedom coach, Don Scott Damon. It's great to have all of you listening today. This is a show and podcast to help you live a full, fierce, and free life. That's what we're all about here. And I'm so excited that today I have in the studio with me a very special guest. Her name is Barbara DeVries. And I'm so excited to introduce you to her. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you, Dawn. It's, it's just great to be with you today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. You and I had a really great opportunity to meet, and we met through uh, one of the books that I've written. And you were reading, and then you reached out, I think, and sent me an email. And so we've never met in person, but we're developing a nice relationship over the Internet. And praise God for technology. Praise God for technology. That is so true. <laughs> so why don't you take a moment, introduce yourself to our li- listeners. I, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Okay. Thank you for that. I live in Cedar Woolley, Washington. I am 62 years old, almost 63. Oh, wow. And... Um, I became a registered nurse right out of high school, graduated in 1973, and went went forward, got my uh, degree in nursing, and began working at hospitals. Uh, Some of my key areas was the intensive care unit, the Mm -hmm. cardiac care unit, and an area that I was particularly interested in was a burn unit. I got the blessing of, of caring for adults and children in those who had uh, been burned from some sort of um, trauma. And, wow. boy, that was a, a heart toucher. I bet that um, was. Um, so you've got a very special heart to be able to care for people in such critical need. Were you always a tender heart? Did you know from a young age that you wanted to help people? I did. My mom was a a big contributor to that. She, too, was a psych nurse. And living in Cedar Woolley, my mom worked at a place that many may still remember a bit about, Northern State Hospital. It was a psychiatric uh, hospital and facility. So I would often go up and just be there with my mom. And so Mm -hmm. watching these folks with... You know all the different kinds of mental health disorders. Mm-hmm. I, I just developed such a, a passion for that, and it just carried on into just a, a service kind of heart in my nursing career. Going then into dementia, I uh, consulting, mm-hmm. and it's just moved along. Even oncology, I was an oncology nurse, and actually uh, was married um, to Tim Devries. And he died of cancer, and I hospiced my own husband oh, my um, and held him um, as he as he died almost seven years ago now. Wow, what a testimony that is in itself, and that's how you know you're really called of God and anointed to do something that He gives you that kind of amazing grace to take care of so I know I took care of my father um, who was also my abuser when he was dying and so that that was very difficult but um that was a a grace given to me from god so so you did that for your husband so then you uh we'll pick up your story again so you're working in the burn unit 
and caring for people. Yes. And then um, through, you know, just more years of, of nursing and, uh, and growing and, and learning, um, I decided to find, my, I wanted to find my own business. I loved the sense of autonomy and I felt like I'd just really given to hospitals and, and uh, uh, um, senior living communities. Mm-hmm. And so about 12 years ago, I uh, stopped being a nurse, found ART, Active Release Technique. It is a soft tissue treatment that uh, works on repetitive motion overuse issues of the body, gets mm-hmm. scar tissue off. So I just jumped into the deep end of the pool <laughs> and Tim, bless his heart at that time, I said, I want to quit nursing. I want to start my own business. I think I need to learn this technique. There isn't mm-hmm. anyone here in Skagit County at present that does it. What do you mm-hmm. think? He said, go for it. So that was almost 13 years ago now that I began that study. And what a door that opened um, for me. God just whoosh, whoosh, you know, all yeah. over the place. Wow. And a booming business today That's- as an ART. That is so, and I'm so grateful. So fabulous. I was looking at your website, and at the end of the show, I want to let the listeners know, too, about where they can find that. But can you tell us a little bit more about what art is? It, it, it just sounds so amazing. I was reading and seeing some of the healing testimonies that are on the website. Talk, talk to us about that a minute. Okay. My pleasure. <laughs> yeah. So ART, uh, the home base is in Colorado Springs, mm-hmm. and a wonderful man named Dr. Michael Leahy founded this in, back in 1964. Aeronautical engineer input, chiropractic input. He realized that things wear out when you do things over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So encompassing that in, into the body, um, he developed protocols for um, instructors and people like me to be able to get the scar tissue off a particular area that then frees that area up. It reoxygenates. Once you get scar tissue off the area, the inflamed tissue underneath can heal. Mm-hmm. And I do that, we do that as practitioners with our hands. Oh, wow. It is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't tell you what a blessing it has been to help people, even in just one or two visits, they notice a difference. Mm-hmm. And visits are like, you know, maybe 15 to 30 minutes long. Okay. And their eyes just look at me like, oh, my gosh. Sometimes they leave in, leave in tears saying, I've been trying to figure out what to do on this for a year, and wow. I just walked in and you just took care of it in 20 minutes. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. it really is. Praise, it really is. Praise God for that. I just love how the Lord gives us um, such amazing insight and revelation on how the body works and mm-hmm. that that healing can come through that. So it's physical touch. You're actually working and manipulating an area or mis- it's beyond massage, isn't it? It is a type of a massage, but it's different. It is a treatment. It is no nonsense. It can be a little bit uncomfortable, but here's what I tell my new folks as they walk in is, 
it will feel correct. It will not be pleasant, but it will feel correct. And it is always, always to your tolerance. And then I throw this little thing in. I say, I'm stronger than I look. Because I'm <laughs> a pretty small little lady. And, yeah. and, uh, and I wear high heels to work. And I always dress up. So uh, they look at me like, yeah, uh-huh, you're going to fix this shoulder. <laughs> you know, this 200-pound gentleman. And I said, yes, I am. Just sit down yep. and hold on. Because we're just going to take care of that right now. Because <laughs> you might be crying when this is over. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, Barbara. And you're beautiful. I saw your, your picture on your website and you're just beautiful. I can't believe you're 62, but <laughs> so, Thank so you. your, your late husband, Tim, then he was so supportive. So you've started this business and, um, that's kind of one way that you were able to give back and to help people. Now you're in your own business and what's God up to in your heart as you're doing this? Boy, he always answers my prayers when I am needing a little bit more business. He answers my prayers when I say, Lord, who can I heal this week? Mm -hmm. I want, what can I give this week? Mm -hmm. Who can I help this week? And he always, always sends me someone. Mm -hmm. I have four different companies, actual companies that I go to their site and work on the employees, which then mm-hmm. uh, for that, that company keeps their OSHA recordables down, their mm-hmm. workman's comp down. Every week I get blessed by someone um, that their rotator cuff is resolved or their tennis elbow or their carpal tunnel or their mm-hmm. plantar fasciitis is mm-hmm. resolved. And he just constantly is bringing me folks that I can touch. And I get to bless them also because I do not hesitate for one minute letting them know where my faith is, that God is at uh, the helm of this business and is in charge. And um, uh, he takes the wheel every day for me in all aspects of my it's wonderful. Well, when we hear your voice, Barbara, it, you can feel the grace of God coming through it, and you can feel that you have, are in a real sacred space and a, in a good place in life. But I don't think life was always a blessing, was it? Or, or your situation wasn't always wonderful. Sometimes people look at successful, beautiful women like yourself, and they'll say, oh, you've always had it so easy. No wonder. But that's not always the case, and it's not the case with you, is it? No. No, it is not. Um, Tell us a little bit about have, your... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I, uh, I have been sexually abused for the first time at age 12. Mm. And um, it was um, a friend's father. And continued over about four years. Oh, my. From there, that disruption, that disruption, rather, the violation, the um, uh, break in someone that I trusted and had Mm -hmm. authority uh, and that I loved very much just broke broke that, you know, as if you... Mm -hmm took a piece of glass and just threw it on the floor and mm-hmm. it shatters into a thousand pieces. Yes. And 
I was taught to forgive, and I did forgive, but I didn't realize how deep of a um, sorrow, how that was going to affect the rest of my life. Yes. So over over the next years, as I, I went to nursing school, I've married, and I've actually been married several times. And I know now, at 62, that it was much of the PTS to just trying to find someone to love and value and respect me for who I was. And I was trying to figure out why and who I was. So there are layers and layers of of, um, abuse from everything from the sexual in early age to uh, verbal, emotional, mental, spiritual, uh, and uh, additional physical abuses over the years. Let's break this down a little bit for the listener. Um, Because we share that story. I don't remember how old I was when I began to encounter sexual abuse at the hands of my father, who was my hero. But at at the end of his life, I'm so happy to say we did have restoration and reconciliation and he had asked for forgiveness. But I too did not know how deep the trauma or the wound went. When we used to hear the words PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, we thought that was for Vietnam vets, you know, that yeah. people who had un- encountered, you know, war or, or some huge, you know, crisis where they were almost catatonic. What we now know is that sexual abuse is a crisis to the psyche, to the emotional system, to a young girl or young boy, to the place where it overtakes our ability to cope, and we are traumatized. Abuse is not only an emotional trauma, it's biological trauma as well. It changes your brain chemistry. It changes your the way you're wired, your life. And so I was like you. I, I forgave because I knew I had to do that, but I thought forgiveness meant I wasn't able to talk about it. I shouldn't tell anyone, process it. I shouldn't think about it ever again. It should just magically go away. Did you have a similar feeling like when you forgave, it was just supposed to be over and you tucked it in a box and put it on, you know, in the basement somewhere of your heart? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I did, I did do that. And mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I'm going to be fine and I'm just going to grow up and, and get married and have children and I'm just going to have a, a fine and wonderful life. Right. And uh, yep. my goodness, that, that did it not doesn't. happen. And with me, with it being a, my good friend's father, I realized, and I want to say this very, very um, graciously, um, but truthfully, that mm-hmm. I never told a soul. I never told my folks. I never told anyone because I felt that if I did, I would lose my friend. Mm. And I didn't want to lose my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I just kind of sucked it up. Uh-huh. As I grew older and matured with it continuing, I realized if I was to say anything, especially to my parents or anyone else, that 
this was a criminal act. Yeah. I could, it could hurt or destroy this family that I loved. Mm. And I didn't want to do that either. So I realized I sacrificed all of this, all of this time. And I don't want to sound like a goody two-shoes. I don't mean it that way. I just made that choice that I was just willing to sacrifice for my friend and for their family so nothing would happen to them. Yes, and that that's an honest decision. That that makes complete sense and there are so many young people. That's why I didn't tell anyone either. I'm not going to send my dad to prison. I didn't want to break up the family and I recognize that if he was abusing me though, he was probably abusing others and but we don't understand that. We don't connect those dots. So we think if I just if I just suck it up and take it somebody else is going to be saved this hurt. And that is a position no young girl should ever be put in. And so somehow we learn to rationalize it away, bury it deep. But what happens now, you're growing up, you're learning that there's all kinds of convoluted thoughts about authority, about what love from a man means now. Because many young girls will believe sex equals love. In order to be loved, I have to be sensual or sexual, or I have, or this is what women are made for. You just take it. You don't ever talk. So many girls go on, and boys too, but they go on from one abuser to the next. You said that that's kind of something that happened for you. Yes, yes, it did. Uh, my first marriage to my beautiful sons, um, was perfect. Absolutely. You know, as perfect one could say. Yes. Um, we had a, a wonderful marriage and I have two outstanding sons, fine young men. Uh, but unfortunately we divorced and a huge mistake, uh, that we both now still regret. Um, and, um, I feel it was more my fault I was having some triggers that I didn't know what triggers were then, but I sure do now. Mm -hmm. And I, so I divorced, we divorced, and I remarried and married someone who uh, was abusive and um, verbally, um, emotionally. Uh, Mm -hmm. I found um, he'd had an affair toward the end of our marriage uh, he and I had been talking one evening and I was confronting I'm, I'm a pretty strong woman even back then mm-hmm. and I was confronting some of the, the actions and behaviors to the best of my small knowledge that I knew you know at yes. that point right. and I remember him taking his hand doubling up his fist with rage in his face and went to punch my face and God, thank you, God, I moved my face, and he ended up hitting the kitchen cupboard and broke his hand. Mm. Wow, good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, thank you, Lord, that you were spared from that. But if he did that once, he probably was, you know, abusive or uh, assaulted you more than than that time. That was the 
main physical, but okay. there were the mental and emotional abuses mm-hmm. that were happening. He was um, into pornography that I was not aware of, and I'm so anti-porn. And, you know, Dawn, because of the sexual abuse, that got twisted up, and I saw that as um, it triggered responses in me when I heard about that. My heart would beat. I thought, porn, that's, that's dirty. And... I think I did something dirty when I was being abused. And Mm -hmm. like you just said, it just gets all wrapped up and twisted Mm -hmm. and gnarly, and you Mm -hmm. can't make sense of it. There's just a part of you that knows something isn't right, and and you can't put your whole finger on it. That's so true. Uh, We carry shame, and Mm -hmm. we often say, you know, shame is different from guilt. Guilt will say, I made a mistake, I did something wrong. But shame says, I am a mistake. Mm-hmm. I am something wrong. And that, when you carry shame into adulthood with you, you, your decisions have greater consequences than when you're younger. And if you carry that shame and you're walking through life with a low self-esteem and I'm not worthy and I don't deserve anything, we start making decisions and choices out of that place of brokenness and we just continue to repeat brokenness. I choose a bad spouse. I don't finish my education or I don't even start education. I, I know that the opposite can happen. We go into performance and we work really hard and we say, I'm going to prove to people that I'm somebody. But underneath of it all can still be this lying residue of shame that came from, as you say, this young, vulnerable girl being abused and not understanding the layers and layers of the aftermath that accompanies that abuse. I have a question for you as well, and you feel free to comment on what I just said, but being in the medical profession and working with with trauma and people's um, bodies, it, it's also true that this trauma not only affects us emotionally in our triggers, but it affects our body as well. As we said earlier, it's biological have you ever worked on someone whose their their trauma is trapped in their body? You know um, that the physical, whether it's a a hurt in in the shoulder or the body somewhere, where that that memory is trapped in the cells of that body, and they're they're struggling that way. Have you ever run into that? I believe I probably no. Let me rephrase that. I did when I was very young, as a very young nurse, but I didn't know then what I know today. Right. So, yes, I can say yes to that. Over the last few years, I have been seeing it much more because my eyes are more open. Yes. And I'm being able to see through and ask more um, specific questions. Mm -hmm. And so when someone walks in, for example, to my office with ART, given certain things they say, I can ask a question and tears flow from them. Mm -hmm. I know, I know that their body is reacting to to fear, to feeling abandoned, to being traumatized uh, emotionally or mentally. And so 
this sounds kind of funny, but sometimes I get a two for 99 special out of the deal. <laughs> I get to fix them, their carpal tunnel, and I get to love on them and ease their heart and let them know they are not alone. Yes. And there's a, a bond that, mm-hmm. that develops, of course, from, yes. from there. Absolutely. That's beautiful. And that's so wonderful that that ministry is flowing through you and available to people. So you were in this marriage. Now I'm going to guess that that marriage probably didn't last then. It did not. Okay. I then, um, I was single for a while and then I met Tim DeVries and, uh, we, we dated and we married, um, and over time, I realized that um, what I believe now was some anger management issues for Tim. And I ended up marrying again someone who was abusive. Mm-hmm. And um, where one of my hugest fears that I still um, look back on and realize the extreme trauma abandonment was for me. Tim Mm -hmm. would abandon over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. and I know the the crux of that particular uh, trauma was from from that. Mm -hmm. We divorced, actually, uh, because of of things being so so toxic. Separated, divorced, and um, and then we began to heal. We began to reconcile. We were friends. We did things off and on, and and I could see change coming in him. And one day, he called and he said, "Would you meet me for a glass of wine? I'd I'd like to talk to you about something." I said, "Well, of course." So I met after work and. And he said, um, I've been to the doctor, and it looks like I have cancer. Mm. And um, I, uh, I was wondering if you would go with me to, to the doctor next week. I said, mm. of course I will. Of course I will. Mm-hmm. So we did. It was confirmed. He had a cancer in his left lower lobe. He'd been a smoker for years. And it was one of the things that I felt so snarky with him about because when we got married, I said, there's just one thing here that I just do not want to deal with, and it's smoking, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't want to kiss an ashtray. It's unhealthy. It's just one of those things. And he Mm -hmm. said, oh, I'll quit. Well, he never did and, Mm -hmm. and did it behind my back and so forth. So he had never quit. In any event, um, Mm -hmm. it was confirmed. And so he looked at me and he said, would you walk this journey with me? And he said, I don't think I'm going to choose to do any, any chemo, no surgery. I want quality, not quantity. So we went through a series of of tests, we went through a series of talking to surgeons and got all the ins and outs of how long he would live if he did this, how long he would live if he did that, and how all that post stuff would, you know, play out. Yes. And um, he said, I don't want to do this. And he said, 
here's what was amazing. He did not want to put me through two or three years. I would lose my business, he said. I don't want you to have to do that with me. You've given me so much. Mm. And he said, so will you? And I said, yes. And he said, would you marry me one more time for the last time and let me do it right with you? Mm. And I said, yes. Mm. So for the next 10 months, uh, that's all he, he lived, 10 more months. Yeah. We lived a lifetime in those 10 months. Mm. And he apologized for every single thing, one by one, was repentant, he owned, and I said, yes, Tim, yes, Tim. He took the ownership. I mean, it just he just laid it out. Mm. And um, he, like I said, he died in my arms and his last words to me as I was trying to help him up he'd fallen to his knees and I said I said honey let me let me help you up Mm -hmm. and he looked at me and he said baby I love you but I need to be on my knees and he collapsed in my arms and died oh my goodness wow that's incredible he knew his place at the end of his life, that he was on his knees before God. He was a believer at this time. He sure was. Wow. What a story, Barbara. You know, I want to talk to someone who might be listening right now that you didn't believe in the power of forgiveness or restoration, but look what God can do when a heart is truly changed. Yeah. And I'm not suggesting to you, dear listener, that you should go back into a volatile situation, but I am letting you know that God is a God of miracles and that healing and forgiveness truly can take place. And God can can restore the most broken of relationships. Wow, what an incredible story. And so then you, is that is that that was seven years ago you said so what what has been going on in your life for the last seven years then okay yes it will be seven years august 7th that uh that tim had had died and Mm. um so about two and a half years later you know i was recovering i was going through grief actually a grief facilitator at my church um, being able to help others walking this walk, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, continuing to heal in my own journey. There, right. it has been the last couple years probably the most severe trauma for me that I have experienced ever in my life. Um, I, if I may, Don, let me back up. I, I sure. missed one other point. Back um, in my early mid-20s, when the Green River Killer was, you know, just on the news all the time, I was a part of the um, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and um, was a big part of, in my county, getting children fingerprinted. And I would often go down to uh, the Seattle area and I was helping uh, a gentleman um, from Como Channel 4, and um, mm-hmm. I ended up uh, being raped by this this man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I was going to a meeting mm-hmm. 
thought I was going to a meeting, mm-hmm. and I did never did not get to that meeting. No. Yeah. And was raped by this man. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were, and again, never said anything for oh. years and years and years about that. Yep. Yep. So you had already lost your voice at twelve years old. Yeah. So now you're a young woman, and you didn't tell. Why do you think you didn't talk about it? Because I was married. I had uh, a small son at home. Uh, I didn't want um, to ruin my my family. Mm-hmm. Once again, thought I can handle this. I can handle mm-hmm. this. I can handle this. I just need to forgive. Um, maybe mm-hmm. I did do something that caused it. Now you you begin to think. Sure. What am I doing? Am I really? Am I causing something? You know, do I have a sign on my forehead or something? Right. You know, what in the world? And um, I came home, drove home on my own after that, Mm. jumped in the shower and went to bed and began just my life the next morning as though nothing had happened. Wow. And, you know, that's such a common story, Barbara. And my heart goes out to you for experiencing that. I've had similar, I can't call them rapes, but just where I had lost my voice and you, you just don't, you just don't say anything. And I just want to let people know who are listening. This is such a common response because women have already, like I said a moment ago, you've lost your voice. You've probably got earlier trauma in your life, the shame of it, the fear of it. And in our news today, in our media, People say, oh, why didn't they tell earlier? This probably didn't really happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been seven years and you're just now telling someone, sure. But that is true and that is a reality. And there is power when in numbers when other women start to tell. It will empower the rest of the women who've been, you know, cowering in the shadows, not telling. So, that's a very common response. You came home, you took a shower, so all of all of the evidence and DNA is gone. You wake up in the next morning, you're just going to go back to life. Yes. That's what your that's what your mind and your body is doing, but you know, underneath it all, your body is keeping score, your mind is keeping score, your emotions are keeping score, and now you've just given yourself another whole trauma related experience um full of triggers. And um, not that you've given yourself that, but that that's what's happened to you. And now there's another whole layer of abuse that you have to heal from. Yes. And you're really not finished with the other ones that happened prior. No, you haven't processed either one of them, right? No. No. Oh, goodness, no. Right. No. No. And and it and and this is it takes so long. That's why I've written these books. I remember ministering in a place once, and I had started to talk about my abuse. And there was a woman sitting there in the in the audience. She was probably I'm going to guess 80 years old, and she started weeping and crying loud, like gut wrenching cries. And she had never processed her trauma as a young girl on the farm, where a farmhand had uh, sexually abused and raped her. She was 80 years old, never told anyone. So fortunately in our world, we're getting more aware and the light has gone on to these dark places, but there you are. How are you going to make good decisions for your life and attract someone? You don't even realize it, but the, you are 
broadcasting through your pain that I'm willing to take abuse. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's the unspoken message that's coming through your demeanor or whatever else. Yes. Found at that point about a year ago, a year and a half ago, I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, mm-hmm. which obviously, as was, we've unfolded my story here from years and yes. years yes. of trauma. Wow. So that was kind of... Um relief in a way to understand this is what's been going on in my life and this is why I'm reacting so violently to some of these things that are happening to me and why I'm getting re-assaulted, re-abused over and over again. Um, So boy, our time is almost gone. I can't believe it. We actually only have two minutes left in this broadcast. How would you like to leave this? What would you like to say to the women who are listening today? I would like to say that delay is the deadliest form of denial. Speak out and find your voice. Turn turn the disabilities, turn those traumas into possibilities. Tell someone. Tell someone what has happened to you. Find someone who will walk beside you. And God, pull God into your story. Pull God into your possibilities. Pull God in and uh, let him heal and flow that grace waters in your life. Blessed to have women both in my community and in my church as a result of the things that I've shared today with you, Don, who have come to me and said, I've had things happen to me. Will you listen to my story? Will you help me? I've had couples come uh, with men having some struggles of understanding their wives, and I'm able to, to help them walk that walk and not abandon and not and leave them on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And I am forever, I am forever changed mm-hmm. by all of this. Well, God has given you an amazing story, and it wouldn't be amazing if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus Christ is the center of your story, that with his grace and his strength and his power that you've walked this walk, and God's going to use it for his glory. We know according to the scripture that God will redeem everything that we've gone through if we give it to him. He says, I want to give you beauty for ashes. I'm going to take what Satan meant for evil and I'm going to turn it around and I'm going to make it for your good. And this is the promise and the hope that we have as believers walking through this, this polluted evil world that we are not of this world. We're in it and we've got to endure it, but we look for a treasure, a heavenly home, a reward at the end of all of this. I'm so thankful for you and for your testimony and so thankful that you were on today. Barbara, if somebody wants to drop you a line, where can they reach you? Ah, very good. Thank you. My email address, I'll give you a couple. My email address is Sterling Touch. So like Sterling Silver. And then the word touch at wavecable.com. They may also connect with me uh, through my 
uh, cell phone, my business line, and ministry line, and that phone number is 360-708-8027. Thank you so much. And you can reach me at dawnscottdamon.com. I'd love to hear from you. You've been listening to the Freedom Girls Sisterhood. I hope today you have heard a story that encourages you to reach out, to talk, and to tell your story. You can find my book entitled Telling on Amazon.com. And there you'll find a guide on how to tell your story and empower yourself and your future Thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you, Barbara, once again for being with us. You're very, very welcome, Dawn. Her books that I've read uh, have been a lifesaver for me. And as I shared with you when I talked last, if I had a role of lifesavers, girlfriend, I'd give it to you right now (laughs) because you are in it, babe. (laughs) All right. And I would take it too, girl. All right, everybody, this is your freedom coach, Don Scott Damon, saying it's freedom time.